Chapter Nineteen of the Two Gun Man by Charles Alden Seltzer. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tom Penn. The Shot in the Dark. Now that Mary Radford had obtained experience for the love scene in her story, it might be expected that on returning to the cabin, she would get out her writing materials and attempt to transcribe the emotions that had beset her during the afternoon but she did nothing of the kind. After Ferguson's departure, she removed her riding garments, walked several times around the interior of the cabin, and for a long time studied her face in the looking-glass. Yes, she discovered the happiness shining out of the glass. Several times, standing before the glass, she attempted to keep the lines of her face in repose, and though she almost succeeded in doing this, she could not control her eyes. They simply would gleam with the light that seemed to say to her, You may deceive people by making a mask of your face, but the eyes are the windows of the soul, and through them people will see your secret. Ben hadn't eaten much, she decided, as she seated herself at the table, after pouring a cup of tea. Before she finished her meal, she had begun to wonder over his absence. It was not his custom to go away in the night. She thought he might have gone to the corral, or might even be engaged in some small task in the stable. So, after completing her meal, she rose and went to the door, looking out. There was no moon, only the starlight, but in this she was able to distinguish objects in the clearing, and if Ben had been working about anywhere, she must have noticed him. She returned to the table and sat there long, pondering. Then she rose, heated some water, and washed and dried the dishes. Then she swept the kitchen floor and tidied things up a bit, returning to the door when all was complete. Still no signs that Ben was anywhere in the vicinity. She opened the screen door and went out upon the porch, leaning against one of the slender posts. For a long time she stood thus, listening to the indescribable noises of the night. This was only the second time since she had been with Ben that he had left her alone at night, and a slight chill stole over her as she watched the dense shadows beyond the clearing, shadows that seemed suddenly dismal and foreboding. She had loved the silence, but now suddenly it too seemed too deep, too solemn to be real. She shuddered, and with some unaccountable impulse, shrank back against the screen door, one hand upon it, ready to throw it open. In this position she stood for a few minutes, and then from somewhere in the flat came a slight sound, and then, after a short interval, another. She shrank back again, a sudden fear of chilling her, her hands clasped over her breast. "'Someone is shooting,' she said aloud." She waited long for a repetition of the sounds, but she did not hear them again. Tremblingly, she returned to the cabin and resumed her chair at the table, fighting against a growing presentiment that something had gone wrong with Ben. But she could not have told from what direction the sounds had come, and so it would have been folly for her to ride out to investigate. And so for an hour she sat at the table, cringing away from the silence starting at intervals when her imagination tricked her into belief that sound had begun 
and then presently she became aware that there was sound. In the vast silence beyond the cabin door, something had moved. She was on her feet instantly, her senses alert. Her fear had left her. Her face was pale, but her lips closed grimly as she went to the rack behind the door and took down a rifle that Ben always kept there. Then she turned the lamp low and cautiously stepped to the door. A pony whinnied, standing with ears erect at the edge of the porch. In a crumpled heap on the ground lay a man. She caught her breath sharply, but in the next instant was out and bending over him. With a strength that seemed almost beyond her, she dragged the limp form to the door where the light from the lamp shone upon it. Ben, she said sharply, what has happened? She shook him slightly, calling again to him. Aroused, he opened his eyes, recognized her, and raised himself painfully upon one elbow, smiling weakly. It ain't anything, sis, he said. Creased in the back of the head. Knocked me cold. Maybe my shoulder, too. I ain't been able to lift my arm. He smiled again grimly, though wearily. From the back, too, the damn sneak. Her eyes filled vengefully, and she leaned closer to him, her voice tense. Who, Ben? Who did it? Ferguson, he said sharply. And again, as his eyes closed, the damn sneak. She swayed dizzily and came very near dropping him to the porch floor. But no sound came from her. And presently, when the dizziness had passed, she dragged him to the door, propped it open with a chair, then dragged him on through the opening to the kitchen, and from there to one of the adjoining rooms. Then, with pale face and determined lips, she set about the work of taking care of Ben's wounds. The spot on the back of the head, she found, was a mere abrasion, as he had said, but his shoulder had been shattered. The bullet, she discovered, having passed clear through the fleshy part of the shoulder after breaking one of the smaller bones. Getting her scissors, she clipped away the hair from the back of his head and sponged the wound and bandaged it, convinced that, of itself, it was not dangerous. Then she undressed him and, by the use of plenty of clear, cold water, a sponge, and some bandages, stopped the flow of blood in his shoulder and placed him in a comfortable position. He had very little fever, but she moved rapidly around him, taking his temperature, administering sedatives when he showed signs of restlessness, hovering over him constantly until the dawn began to come. Soon after this, he went off into a peaceful sleep, and, almost exhausted with her efforts and the excitement, she threw herself upon the floor beside his bed, sacrificing her own comfort that she might be near to watch should he need her. It was late in the afternoon when Radford opened his eyes to look out through the door that connected his room with the kitchen and saw his sister busying herself with the dishes. His mind was clear, and he suffered very little pain. For a long time he lay, quietly watching her, while his thoughts went back to the meeting on the trail with Ferguson. Why hadn't he carried out his original intention of shooting the stray man down from ambush? He had doubted Leviatt's word and had hesitated, wishing to give Ferguson the benefit of the doubt. 
and had received his reward in the shape of a bullet in the back after practically making a peace pact with his intended victim he presently became aware that his sister was standing near him and he looked up and smiled at her then in an instant she was kneeling beside him admonishing him to quietness smoothing his forehead giving delighted little gasps over his improved condition but in spite of her evident cheerfulness there was a suggestion of trouble swimming deep in her eyes he could not help but see that she was making a brave attempt to hide her bitter disappointment over the turn things had taken therefore he was not surprised when after she had attended to all his wants she sank on her knees beside him ben she said trying to keep a quiver out of her voice are you sure it was ferguson who shot you he patted her hand tenderly and sympathetically with his uninjured one i'm sorry for you mary he returned but there ain't any doubt about it then he told her of the warning he had received from leviatt and when he saw her lips curl at the mention of the two diamond range boss's name he smiled i thought the same thing that you were thinking mary he said and i didn't want to shoot ferguson but as things have turned out i wouldn't have been much wrong to have done it she raised her head from the coverlet did you see him before he shot you she questioned eagerly just a little before he returned i met him at the turn in the trail about half a mile from here i made him get down off his horse and drop his guns we had a talk for i didn't want to shoot him until i was sure and he talked so clever that i thought he was telling the truth but he wasn't he told her about ferguson's concealed pistol how they had stood face to face with death between them concluding by that time i had decided not to shoot him but he didn't have the nerve to pull the trigger when he was looking at me he waited till i got on my horse and was riding away then he sneaked up behind he saw her body shiver and he caressed her hair slowly telling her that he was sorry things had turned out so and promising her that when he recovered he would bring the two diamond stray man to a strict accounting providing the latter didn't leave the country before but he saw that his words had given her little comfort for when an hour or so later when he dropped off to sleep the last thing he saw was her seated at the table in the kitchen her head bowed in her hands crying softly poor little kid he said as sleep dimmed his eyes it looks as though this will be the end of her story end of chapter nineteen